We talked yesterday about the shootings in Dayton and El Paso, and I got kind of passionate about it. I went over a lot of the uh, political responses, responses from politicians, responses from the news media, and I think they got it all wrong. And I think that if we don't stop politicizing things, we're going to have a problem. Because I believe the problem that we're experiencing, the mass shootings, the crime in the streets, the crime in Chicago, the crime in Baltimore, the crime in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Boston, Las Vegas, all of the areas that are experiencing high crime are all for the same reasons. It's a breakdown in society. Now, I decided to make this a three-part series because the news cycle is kind of slow, and if I find it picks up, I might push something back by an episode or so. But in order to understand what is failing in our society, we have to understand what makes up a society. All societies are made up pretty much the same way. They may teeter or totter in a different direction, or um, a definition might be a little bit different, but all societies have these seven institutions. Now, some people break these institutions up into nine. Some people break, these, uh, break down these institutions into five, but they all have them. Only when we understand those institutions and we see the cracks in those institutions can our society attempt to actually fix those pillars. So let's talk about the seven pillars of society, also known as the seven pillars of civilization. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. You know what? This is why I chose to do a podcast. I've been very clumsy, if you can't tell, to find a mission statement for this podcast, and I really wasn't sure what I was trying to do with it. I have, well, I haven't really been clumsy about a, a um, mission statement. I just didn't have one. I read a book. I learned what I needed to do. And, yeah, well, I have one. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. Uh, I always wanted to start debate. Talk about deeper issues. And maybe educate a little bit. I didn't want to be this person that actually just went online. We started talking about politics and that was about it. Because the reality is, the politics actually lead to deeper issues. So I always wanted to go into those deeper issues. I like dissecting things. I like looking at things and, okay, what is the root cause of something? These shootings. What's the root cause of these shootings? What's actually causing young men? Uh, they could be white. They could be Islamic. They could be whatever. What's causing these people to actually go out and do something like this? Because... If it's one, okay, you've got a nut job. But if you've got 10, 15, 20, we don't have 10, 15, 20, then there's a problem. And the reality is we do have a ton of people that are doing this now. Chicago, Washington, D.C. I, I mentioned this before. Baltimore. The murder rate in the United States is really high and it's typically caused by young men. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with any kind of creed. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with politics. It's just these people go nuts. And it's been happening a lot. I remember in the 90s and 2000s, I mean, okay, we had Columbine, which was terrible. Everyone watched the Columbine massacre. No one could believe what happened at the Columbine. But now it seems like it's getting pretty common and there's no real reason for it. Uh, hey, I got news for you. In the 70s, 80s, when I was around, when I was a kid, I never even thought of doing half the things people are doing today. Well, what's doing that? And I, I think this tragedy really made me realize, okay, this is my mission statement. Let's talk about this. Let's go here. 
I want this to be a deep dive into our troubled society, into our troubled civilization. Why all of a sudden? Right now our society is sick, but I do truly believe, and I'm a glass, always half full kind of guy, I believe it can be fixed. I don't think it can be fixed in the way that, okay, we need a politician. I think it's going to be up to the individuals to fix the problem. The individuals will fix the family. The family will fix the community. The community will fix the society. And the society will eventually fix the, the uh, civilization. I think that's what needs to happen. That may be uh, really a reach. But I believe we can do it. But first, we need to take a look at society's most basic level, its most base. And let's talk about what's going on with society. What is society? What makes up society? Uh, tonight, there'll be no oratory. There'll be no uh, lessons learned or theories. Just what makes up society based off a theory that I happen to agree with. You may not agree with it, no problem. That's, you know, there's tons of ways to get a hold of me. You'll be able to get a hold of me in Twitter, go to the website. There's tons of ways to get a hold of me, leave comments, whatever. You may think I'm absolutely full of crap, and that's fine. I, I would love to hear from you, and I'll debate you. Friendly, of course. I'm not going to be that, that guy. In college, I learned a metaphor about the stability and instability of civilizations. This was based off civilizations, not society. We are Western civilization. There's Eastern civilization, which is the predominantly Asian. Islamic civilization, which is African. So there are civilizations. I blogged about this about two years ago. Uh, for no reason in particular or for a reason that I truly just can't remember. I, I, I posted it on my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I'm sure I mentioned it. I didn't read the article again. I just reposted it on, um, on my website, on the current uh, blog. By the way, reallysorefeet.com still exists. So if you want to go there, you want to read some of the other stuff I had. A lot of politics there too. A lot of news, fun. It's more of my fun website. It's not like dumbasses talking politics, though I do find this fun. So here's the metaphor. Sometime when you get the chance, if you're driving, don't bother doing this now, uh, Google the Temple of Bacchus. Okay? B-A-C-C-H-U-S. This temple is known to use the architecture known as Roman Baroque. Picture a building. Let me give you a picture in case you're driving at 90 miles an hour down a freeway. Picture a building made of marble that has a rather small enclosure, but a huge roof that expands way beyond the enclosure. Way beyond the enclosure. Like that roof, there's no way that roof's staying up. What keeps that roof up are a bunch of columns. If you're having a tough time picturing this, because the Romans were really heavy into the Roman Baroque, obviously, but other civilizations actually took this because it really looked ancient. It really looked nice. It was very pretty. It was very majestic. If you're having trouble picturing it, picturing my description, which wouldn't be a huge surprise, picture the Lincoln Memorial. You have Lincoln sitting within the enclosure, and around right in front of Lincoln, you've got the roof extending out, and the Lincoln that roof is being held up by I think it's between I think it's eight pillars, six to eight pillars, are actually holding that roof up. Another one that expresses the same architecture as uh, Roman Baroque is the Capitol building. The Capitol building, if you look at the Capitol building, and you actually really look at it, you just don't look at the big dome, because that's what everyone looks at. Look at, that entire building is made up of columns. That's Roman Baroque. 
because the reality is that building is not going to stand up based off the enclosure. We live in houses now, so houses, the walls actually hold up the roof. Back then, the roof, they wanted to make the architecture look far bigger than it actually was, than the enclosure actually was. And in Rome, they did not even use enclosures. It was literally columns with a roof. A lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, altars to the goddess, gods and goddesses in Rome and in Greece, by the way, use the same type of architecture. Society and civilization is just like that architecture. The roof represents the civilization. Each grain of rock or sand or whatever the structure was made out of represents the civilization's people. The pillars which support the weight of the roof represent the institutions of that civilization. These institutions, as with the pillars, needed to be strong enough to support the civilization itself. In other words, it needed to make content the roof and every grain of sand or rock in that roof. If there was too much weight in that roof, or if there was any cracks in those pillars, everything would come down. And if you've ever been to ancient Rome, you've ever been to ancient Greece, you've seen a lot of Roman Baroque on the ground because the pillars couldn't handle it. Today we're going to talk about those institutions or pillars and what their functions are. We'll also talk about the pillars that have been added and subtracted and why I decided to stick to the original seven pillars of society. Like I had mentioned before, some theories extend the pillars to nine, some detract to five. I think we need to stick to seven. We'll talk about some of the ones that they actually tried to contract and some of they tried to add. And I don't agree with it. An example would be uh, combining media with art and uh, theater. Theater, art, and media are two totally different things. They provide two totally different services, and they don't work. If we take a look at, um, let's say, healthcare, which a lot of people think is a pillar of society, I reject that also. You may not agree, but I do reject it. And the reason I reject it is because those seven pillars have been part of society for millennia. Healthcare has been around for about 100, 150 years. Healthcare has never been a determining factor in society. So maybe I don't even have to talk about it. I just gave it to you. But just to let you know, that that's something I do want to bring up. <clears throat> Again, there will be no commentary here. Yeah, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to get the, the basis. We're going to get the foundation of the cause or the problems of our society. Just strict philosophy here. You may or may not agree with the analogy that I'm giving you, and that's fine. I don't care. Again, you can easily get a hold of me and tell me I'm full of crap. Just be aware if you do decide to add me on Twitter, you do decide to debate me, you're going to get a debate back because this is not something I've been thinking about for the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes. This is something that's been going on for the last, I believe, for the last 30 years. So I think I'm pretty good at debating it. I won't get butthurt, though. So don't worry. You don't believe it? Just give me a buzz. So let's get to it. So the first pillar is government or politics. Government is also known, is better known as the creators of law. Commonly used, yeah. our government is easy. We have a constitution, states have precedence over federal law. It's really kind of easy. So examples of governments are, would be uh, so, uh, no, that's not the same thing, would be democracy, republics, um, dictatorships, communism. These are forms of governments. Uh, 
the law laws are what the government sees as acceptable behaviors within society. Now, we need to separate laws, and I'm going to bring this up later. We need to separate laws from morality. Laws have nothing to do with morality. Um, big questions that come with po political systems, okay, which is what I consider a government, is the amount of participation or interference the federal government should have over individual rights and the amount of participation individuals have over how governments run. Also, governments are determinant on the amount of bureaucratic agencies that determine regulation. Regulations, they can be confused, are not laws. Regulations are just control of certain other areas. They can be other pillars of society, or they can be other, um, they can extend to other areas within other pillars of society. An example of this would be, let's just say the United States decided to put a regulation on Wall Street. In this case, you're actually talking about how a political system is extending a regulation, not necessarily a law, but a regulation or a limitation to another pillar of society. In this case, it would be um, the economic wing, the economic pillar. When we're talking about the, gover the political system regulating themselves, that would be, an example would be, um, Congress creating a law that regulates the president from declaring war in another country. In this case, the government is controlling only itself. It's regulating only itself. So, um, it can be very confusing because when you're talking about a political system, you're talking about a political system that extends. Our political system says there are actually three divisions. There's the executive, the congressional, and the judicial. Each have their own purpose. The uh, congressional is made to make laws. The executive is made to approve laws. And the judicial is made to determine whether those laws follow our Constitution. All This is all within the political system. It's all within the governmental system. Then you have the governmental system where things get kind of wavy around us is when you have bureaucracy you ha and bureaucracies. The EPA is a bureaucracy. Homeland Security is a bureaucracy. When these folks start creating laws, then that's where the political system gets a little bit hazy. So you can see we're talking political system, specifically republic, democracy, uh, dictatorship, communism. These are all political systems. The next political system that I'm going to talk about is the economic system. Economic systems deal with how money and how business is conducted. Economic systems include socialism, fascism, and capitalist capitalism. Those are examples of economic systems. Now, fascism is always going to be one of those places that a lot of people say, well, no, that's a political system. Actually, no, that's not true. And if you've listened to one of my really earlier podcasts, fascism is an economic system. It is not a political system. The first fascist government was, the first fascist economic system was in Italy during the 30s and the 40s under Benito Mussolini. Mussolini, the government, the actual political system under Mussolini started as a democracy and turned into a dictatorship. But the economic system was always a fascist system. So remember that. Fascism is an economic system. And basically what it says is it's a free market with extremely heavy regulation. 
which means the markets continue on their own. People own their own businesses, but they have to follow the heavy regulations of the government. Whereas socialism is a little bit different. It's an economic system. Again, it's not a political system. It's an economic system that says the government controls how businesses run, period. The business actually owns the means of production. Fascism, the individual owns the means of production, but it is heavily regulated by the government. That's the two differences. So right off the bat, the first two pillars of a civilization is going to be the political system and the economic system. Now we get, and, and by the way, they can be one in the, they can be completely separated. If you look at the political system of the United States in the beginning of the 1900s, the United States practiced a economic system, which was capitalism, but they preferred laissez-faire capitalism. Laissez-faire means hands-off. So the government did not regulate the, the economic system at all. Now, we remember what happened in between about 1880 and 1910, 1915, where kids were actually on the production lines losing hands and things like that. That's the unfortunate uh, problem with laissez-faire economics, is that laissez-faire economics does not put any regulation, no laws whatsoever. So you can see when you're talking about the United States especially, you can completely separate the political system from the economic system. Uh, so it is possible. That's why they're not seen, political and economic systems are not seen as the same. The next pillar, and I see this as an extremely important pillar for our discussions on why kids are killing a lot of people, is the family. And the family is defined as a group consisting of parents and children living together in a household. That's a Google dictionary uh, definition. Now, one of the things we do with, one of the things Google does with parents, it's parent with, a, with an S within parentheses. No, that is not the definition of family. The definition of a family is a father, a mother, and children. A broken family is a single parent with children. So, and you need, we need to understand this, is that, yes, I can have three children and we're a family, but we are always going to be considered a broken family. Okay, I may be the greatest dad in the world. My kids may grow up completely well-adjusted, but that is not the definition of family. And when we talk about the fourth pillar, religion, then we're going to talk about a little bit about family. Okay, So a family is defined simply as a mother, a father, who are both committed to each other, and children. Now understand something. Family does not mean you can be in a family. You can be in a mother and a you can be a mother and father and have a bunch of children. That has nothing to do with dysfunction. I was a I was a father. I was married to my ex-wife for twenty years. We had children. Uh, we had a very bad marriage. We were extremely dysfunctional. That did not change the fact that we were a family. We were a dysfunctional family, but we weren't a broken family. When the divorce occurred, that's the societal definition of a broken family. So let's be very well aware of that. The fourth pillar of society, and by the way, let, uh, civilization. Let's get something very straight and clear here. When I define these, there, there's no particular order. I'm putting these in an order. Government and economic system, they kind of go together, so I put them together. Family and the next pillar kind of go together, so I decide to put them together. The fourth pillar is religion. Karl Marx said of religion, religion is the sign of the oppressed creature, the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of the heartless world, the soul of the soulless connection 
conditions. It is the opium, opiate of the people. He actually said opium. I changed it to opiate because that's the common saying. Why did I read that sentence first? Because all civilizations, no matter what political system, no matter, no matter what, there is religion. Okay. Religion is the moral compass of a society or a civilization. Western civilization follows the Judeo-Christian moral values. It mixes, and thanks to Ben Shapiro for this, but it mixes the Judeo-Christian moral values with Greek teleos, which is Greek logic, is essentially what it's doing, which means the, the end is the means. Okay? So, we have a reason for being. We have moral, we have moral compasses. We have moral ends. We have boundaries. If we step beyond those boundaries, we've violated morality. And by the way, this isn't just Jews, Christians. It's also Islam. It's also Confucius. It's also Buddhists. There are moral boundaries that you meet. And you know if you cross those moral boundaries. That individual knows. Even atheists know there are moral boundaries. Now, some will argue that is through millions and millions of years of human conditioning, that could be the truth. Or it could be that human conditioning has always been there and it's and religion just basically named it. Religion is separate from law in that law has no moral boundaries. Law has nothing to do with morality. For example, a judge can sit back and sentence a child molester a guy who's been molesting a kid for 10 years, he could sentence that child molester for seven years in prison. And then after seven years, he'll spend two years in probation and then he's good to go. Okay, he's suddenly a member of society. Is that moral? No, but that's a law. He has met what the law has determined as acceptable. Morality goes beyond that. Morality is the eye for an eye, the tooth for a tooth. This person is molesting children. I go out with an axe. I hit him in the head with the axe and kill him. Morally, I might be right. I'm not. I don't believe that. But morally, I might be right. Legally, I'm dead wrong. Okay, there's the difference between morality and law. Now, I had mentioned a couple uh, seconds ago, every... Every um, civilization has religion, and they all do. Absolutely all of them have religion. If we look at societies, we look at civilization, I'd say societies here. I wouldn't call Russia a civilization. I wouldn't call North Korea a civilization. But if you look at societies that do not, that quote, do not have, end quote, religion, I'd say that's a load of bull crap. They do. They do. Cuba, Venezuela, the Soviet Union, uh, North Korea, they have religion. The religion is the government. The religion is the political system. Here's the kicker. People need religion. It's necessary. It explains why they're miserable. It explains that there is hope. It explains away the chaos. If you have any question, for example, the big thing, if there's a God, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Well, well, read St. Thomas Aquinas. He explains it. It has nothing to do with that. And I didn't even need to read St. Thomas Aquinas to actually know what the story was in that whole thing. Okay? But when you have countries like Cuba, the Soviet Union, North Korea... Venezuela. They need people to worship something. It cannot be God. It cannot be God because God, if they worship God, they have the faith there is something better out there. So, what these countries actually do is, instead of worshiping God, excuse me, hold on. 
Yeah, I know. Welcome to a live podcast. The reason countries, dictatorships, communist countries that completely reject religion, they still need religion, is because these countries still have chaos. And you can tell they push the collective and the government is the religious entity, is the god of their lives. You need proof. Okay, so let's prove it. North Korea basically stuffs their former leaders, Kim Jong Kim Jong Il and the father before that. Those people are actually still on display in North Korea. Because they're considered gods. Listen to some of the propaganda that the North Korean ministry actually places on the people. I mean, Kim Jong-il does not poop. Kim Jong-il does not get sick. Kim Jong-il was born in a mountaintop with the, mount, with the son as the father and the mountain as the mother. I mean, this is serious, weird crap. But that's the point. It, they're not, they do not look at Kim Jong-il. And I, by the way, the bigger the lie, the more you say it, the more people will believe. People believe this garbage in North Korea. They have no other reference. There's no internet in North Korea. There's no television. They have three channels in North Korea of television, and it's all state-sponsored television. Hint, media coming up. This is a religion in North Korea. Kim Jong-il is God in North Korea. And that's not something crazy. The reason uh, the son of a king becomes the king is because God ordained him to be king due to his bloodline. It's nothing new. The Soviet Union does the same thing. Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, he's stuffed, stuck in a, a, a hole someplace, and people can view his body. The Soviet Union did the same thing. Venezuela did the same thing with Hugo Chavez. His body stuffed, put in a glass case, and people can walk by him and look at him anytime they want. These people are looked at as gods. I'm not sure about Cuba. I'm pretty sure they did the same thing, but I can't be sure. So religion, no matter what civilization, no matter how civilization treats religion, and this is a deity, whether it be Christianity, Islam, or whatever, it is still um, considered a religion. Let's face it, Muhammad, Islamist. Is, Muhammad is not Allah. Muhammad was a prophet of Islam. You would think he was a god. He's not. He's just a prophet. He's no different than uh, uh, Moses or Abraham to Christians or Jews. He's the same thing. So remember, religion is a big thing because a lot of countries say, well, we don't need religion. Well, no, you do need religion, and believe it or not, you do have religion, no matter how much you choose to reject it. The fifth pillar is the media. And the media is a little bit more complicated, and a lot of people try to combine the media with the next pillar, which is entertainment and art. And I refuse to do that. I, I think the media is different. It used to be where we got our news is essentially what the media is. In the old days, this came from television, radio news, newspapers, magazines, things like that. A lot of people um, would say, well, you combine that with arts and entertainment. And the reality is, no, you didn't. And the media has been around for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, probably since the beginning of civilization, the beginning of communication. So the media, and when we talk about these pillars and we talk about healthcare, I, I just told you earlier that healthcare is not a pillar because healthcare has never really been around. It's been around for the last 150 years. I mean, 200 years ago, if you had a toothache, you're screwed. All right. You'd have to figure out how to get rid of that toothache. But today, and, and they mentioned that the media should be not be a pillar because there wasn't media 2,000 years ago. That's not true. There was. 
There were news, there was news all the time. It just took a hell of a lot longer to get from point A to point B. I mean, back 2000 BC, you had uh, the run of Marathon, where some guy ran from one part of Athens, one part of Greece to another part of Greece, about 22 miles, to give the leader of the Greeks information that they had defeated the Persians. That is a form of media. It's a trusted source for the news. That's essentially where it is. You are trying to find out what is happening in the day. Now, we look at that and we think to ourselves, oh, well, that's not really media. Well, it is. We see it today because we have cable TV, we have um, local television, we have social media, we have uh, websites, we have fringe websites that, that hold conspiracy theories and, and far, and you know, edgy media. Uh, and that's seen as media. But see, the reality is, a long time ago, media was not immediate. For example, if a war was won in the United States, if the United States defeated Britain in something, or in the war in 1812, Britain burned down the White House, uh, you actually did have media where someone would write, a, write in a scroll saying, okay, well, this is, this is what's happening. They would send it back to the king. That would be considered news. That would be considered media. As life moved on, then the printing press came and, and media grew into what it is. Media is fact-based fact news. That's why it can't be combined with art and entertainment because art and entertainment is about interpretation. Now, a lot of people will look at it. Hey, news today is really about interpretation. So it's very hard to differentiate the two. Media affects all the pillars depending on the source's political agenda. You need to be, we need to be very careful with this pillar. Because in the old days, the media was meant to be completely trusted. But the problem is, if the media is biased in one way or another based off the political agenda of the political uh, the political um, pillar, you may have problems. History books are part of the media. And there's a, a famous quote. I have no idea who said it, but it's a fantastic quote. I think it was either Huxley or it was... Uh, um, Huxley, I, I, it was one of these guys that actually said this. Um, those who control the past control the future. Those who control the present control the past. It's an absolutely fantastic quote. I think it was Orwell that said that. I, I'm not sure who said it, but it, it's a fantastic quote. Because that's basically saying is... Those who control the news of the day control the history. And since we learn about what our future can be like from history, that paves our way into the future. Very, very scary tier. And that leads us to the sixth pillar, which is going to be arts and entertainment. Arts and entertainment is known as the culture of society. This includes art, which can be paintings, music, um, literature. Uh, entertainment would be stage, movies, television shows. Though most stories you hear do not involve the arts and entertainment pillar, this pillar becomes influenced because those stories are supposed to be part of media, okay, and the, you can see where lines begin to begin to fade here, and why media is almost considered part of this pillar. Arts usually use media to create the art. 
And if the media leans one way or the other, the art typically leads one way or the other. Um, with a lot of the population today embracing pop culture, especially in our big cities, this, this pillar has become very influential. And you see that during the elections. Uh, the pillar can affect all of the other pillars. It, it can be a dangerous pillar. And when one party or when one political point of view controls the media, that pillar controls arts and entertainment, they've pretty much got control over the entire civilization. But here's the thing. They need control of one more pillar. And that pillar is education. Education is, quote, the process of receiving or giving systemic instruction, especially at a school or university. That is a Google definition again. When we send our kids to school, we expect them to learn the basics. And those basics are going to be math, English, or reading, writing, science, But here's the problem. Schools are indoctrination centers. They always have been. They always will be. Indoctrination centers, what I mean by indoctrination, society teaches them what they need to know. This is going to be important when we talk tomorrow, when we have this, uh, have the podcast, not tomorrow, excuse me, it's going to be Thursday. I'm going to give you a couple days to think about this. And Josie's coming over, so I want to spend some time with her. But this is important to understand. Schools indoctrinate. I went to a Catholic school. I went to a Catholic school in elementary through high school. Their indoctrination was based off Catholic theology. So I had a moral base. I learned about God. I learned about his teachings. I learned about Jesus. I learned about all of this stuff. Was I indoctrinated? Yes. Absolutely 100%. And guess what? The indoctrination took. I, the, you know, like you talk to any Catholic who comes out of Catholic school, they typically, <laughs> they typically do a couple of things. They either don't go anywhere near the religion again or they're extremely religious. I was the uh, former. I was, I walked out of Catholic school and I was like, uh, screw Catholicism. It was just, but the reality is I was indoctrinated so well that I, I do believe now what I learned back in high school, back in grammar school. So indoctrination is part of the school system. And that's something to be very well aware. So when you say, oh, well, our schools are indoctrinating our kids. Yeah, well, they've always indoctrinated your kids. The question is, Where's the indoctrination? Is the indoctrination right? Is it what you want? Is it what your kids should know? See, here's the thing. Now, you've heard all seven pillars. Here's the thing. They're all interrelated. So let's take a look at that. I told you, a political system needs to only control three pillars to control the entire civilization. And I've said this in a previous podcast. The three pillars that need to be controlled are one, education. You indoctrinate the children and the youth into, believe, into understanding the reasonings of the political system. You need to control the media. The media gives news that supports that indoctrination. And you need to control the arts and entertainment. The arts and entertainment bring an emotional value to that indoctrination. In other words, not only how do I believe what they're saying... Not only does the news 
confirmed that what I was indoctrinated to, but also now I've got my heart is opened because the indoctrinate because my God is just right. There are two once those three are created, religion, the economy, um, the uh, government, all of that becomes very easily manipulated. And that's what's really scary. That's what's really scary. George Orwell and uh, Adolis Huxley wrote books about it. it not, not a big shock. Adolis Huxley, Huxley, if you've never read it, wrote Brave New World. And he basically showed all seven pillars in his totalitarian world. In 1984, Orwell showed exactly the same manipulation of all pillars of government. Now, mind you, not a big shock, Orwell was actually a student of Huxley. So they both had a real hardcore hatred of totalitarianism when it comes to government. And I, I know, I know. I told you I wasn't going to pofonticate. Uh, I wasn't going to sit there and preach, but I'm going to anyway. Sue me. The real, the real preaching is going to come tomorrow when we talk about what is wrong with our society. Or t- not tomorrow, Thursday. What is wrong with our people today? It's about control. Who can control what? Now, one thing I didn't mention is why have these pillars? And you could even call these silos. I wouldn't necessarily call them silos because they interact with each other. These pillars actually depend on each other. Just like if you have seven pillars that are holding up the Lincoln Memorial and one pillar begins to collapse, there's a very good chance the entire Lincoln Memorial is going to collapse. But these, why are these silos so blessed important? Why, why do we need to understand them? Why do we need to know how they interact? Because it's the totality of the, of the seven. It means something. The seven by themselves, they're not independent. And like I had mentioned with religion, even if you're in a civilization that is completely totalitarian completely rejects religion. That totalitarian government needs to somehow replace religion with something. Or it fails. And most do fail. Russia failed. Cuba failed. Venezuela is failing. North Korea is in a complete disaster. China is suffering. All of these groups that want to completely just destroy religion. That's an example where these countries, either they replaced religion or they fell. So they all really depend on each other. And it only takes one to to collapse an entire civilization. Rome is an example. Greece is an example. These civilizations, they had great ideas. Heck, Western civilization today stole half of what they believed in. We're still reading Plato and Aristotle and um, and the other greats. Socrates, we're still, even though he didn't write anything, we're still following these people because they were perfect, but they were missing something. Western civilization, again, was made up of Judeo-Christian values and Greek teleos when it comes to reason. That's why science, that's how science came to be. Science was not going to come from Judeo-Christian religion only, Judeo-Christian values only, and it wasn't going to come from Greek teleos only. Science came from a combination of the two. And I think one of the greatest writers for Western civilization, St. Thomas Aquinas, 
really cemented that. It was just, it's just awesome. So tomorrow, uh, Thursday, I'm going to give you 48 hours to think about this. And I think I, I, I mentioned why. Hold on, my alarm's going off. Sorry about that. That's what happens when you do the stuff from home. So I'm going to give 48 hours. Again, it's going to be for completely selfish reasons. I don't want, I'm not necessarily doing this so that you can absorb all this. Though I think 48 hours is good to absorb and I think I kind of need a day off. Um, this is going to be simply, think about what I said. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at these pillars and we're going to determine okay so what's wrong with us and maybe you can sit back and you'll figure it out on your own maybe you need to listen to this again maybe you need to look this stuff up that's great too so god i love this stuff i i, I swear this is going to be a 35 minute podcast and end up being almost an hour podcast but it's wonderful stuff it's really great and I really would express to you, follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. Follow me. Send me your questions. Send me your comments. Send me your you're full of crap kind of thing. I, I'm good with that. You can visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and common spelling, and you will be able to actually read the original article that I wrote two years ago. And unlike me, know exactly why I said what I said, because I have no idea why I wrote this. Uh, I think it had something to do with our, the, our civilization falling apart. I, I don't know. I don't care. It was two years ago. I don't remember that. I don't remember what I ate for dinner last night. So, And, and finally, you can download or listen to this podcast at uh, on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, or if you wait a little bit, you can hear it on YouTube. You folks have a great night. Look forward to talking on uh, Thursday. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.